Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We are back with the European edition of the 50 Plus One Football Podcasts. We are now going to be taking a second episode into our weekly schedule where we will talk everything to do with the Champions League midweek games. We just thought there's so much to do with Corona, um, the Corona schedule, and we're not going to be able to give you the quality content you guys deserve by packing in seven or eight matches into an hour. So you'll be getting two episodes from us as so long as there are midweek games. But with me, as always, the Gazprom to my Champions League, Billy. Oh, that was sweet. I like being compared to an energy conglomerate. Especially a Russian energy conglomerate. <laughs> Not saying a word. But tonight, guys, <laughs> we've got a whole host of topics for you, including an old face that comes back to haunt Dortmund, a tactical masterclass in Paris, an upset in Madrid, and let's be honest, business as usual in Bavaria. Do you mind if we just start with the business as usual in Bavaria? We'll start with business as usual in Bavaria. Oh, you know, and by business as usual, we mean taking top teams from around Europe and just beating them to a pulp in our own home, in our own backyard. It was fairly... Um... <laughs> One-sided? <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie because in, in the episode we just released yesterday... This time of the recording, obviously Thursday in the evening, but in the in the episode previous, we both were like, "Yeah, it'll be a it'll be a tight game." You know, obviously Atletico being the team that counterattack the most and the team that uh, are known for their defensive skill and their their compact tactical uh, prowess. You know, I didn't think there was going to be more than a one nil, but you know, four. There was, it was uncharacteristic of Atletico. There was so much space in the midfield. I think that's where you want it, having Kimmich and Goretzka. Oh, that, that partnership is just golden. It completely and utterly ran them ragged for 90 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I think we can, we can definitely take Kimmich out, although Goretzka did score. But Kimmich, he was the perfect the perfect link between defense or the defensive line and then the attacking players. Like he, he just made that transition so seamless that there was no way the buildup or the just in general, the buildup play could, uh, could not happen. Like Atletico just didn't know how to contain him. And then, if they did figure out that they had to put, you know, two players on him or something, you know, you'd have Goletzka uh, completely free. And that in and of itself is already asking for a goal. It was just a complete, I, I know people say a lot about players, but it was a complete performance from Yoshua Kimmich. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of any weak part of that game, 
maybe Pavard, but not really. It says a lot about the form of Hernandez when he's keeping Alfonso Davies out, one of the hottest prospects in world football last season. He's barely played this year. Yeah, yeah. And I think that also speaks to Hansi Flick's method of coaching is that he doesn't just because just because he's got a star lineup and he and he knows that he has to keep a lot of star players happy doesn't mean he's afraid to keep as you said one of the hottest prospects in world football last year out on the bench for four weeks in a row if someone else is performing better and by all means Lucas Hernandez deserved to start that game and to finish it because he's played well so far this season. Yeah, he's starting to play like the player you thought you bought from Atletico. Yeah. If I was Hernandez, I'd be looking at that Atletico team and thank God I'm not <laughs> in that team anymore because it, it's just not a good team. Nah, like, there you're, was, you're right. There was an interesting thing about Luis Suarez. Like his last two Champions League games <laughs> lost an aggregate of 12-2. I was about to say that that was the next thing I was going to mention was uh, speaking of the Atletico team that is just not that good anymore. <laughs> but I, I don't know what was going on. I don't know why. It was just I a mean, long setup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, or at least the German pundits were saying they, or they weren't attributing this to, be, to Atletico being that bad. They were just saying Bayern, when they're on form, they're just that good. And, I mean, I think we can all agree after that they still are the best team in the world right now, or at least the best team in Europe. And, you know, by default, that usually means best team in the world. Um, but they, they, it wasn't just a fluke, and it wasn't just, you know, a solid couple months of work by Flick, and then now it all falls together. No, it's a continuous thing, and... And I think um, one of the Spanish newspapers said it best is that if anything, that treble made the whole team even hungrier for more titles. Yeah, because if you've got the right stuff to play for Bayern Munich, like mentally, you're, gonna, you're not going to want to rest on that because that's not good enough. The, the minute that final whistle blew, it was, right, okay, well, how do we do this again next season? And that's yeah. why Bayern have been so good for so many years. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a you definitely could attribute to the mentality thing, and I, you know, I, it's almost to the point where I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a a clause in every contract where it literally states, you know, you put everything below winning titles. Like your top priority is winning the treble each year. Everything else has to be uh, prioritized less. I definitely wouldn't be surprised if that was actually in their contract. Uh, and it showed last night. And I've, I've picked out two of the four goals that I want to talk about more. Coman's first goal, purely for the, the, the pass from Kimmich and the touch from Coman. Yeah. And the absolute rocket from Lisa. I was almost sure you would choose the third, um, sorry, the fourth goal, Coman's uh, second, and put that in the lineup. But I'm not going to lie to you. As Flick said yesterday in the post-match interview, one goal was as beautiful as the next. 
I mean, yeah, they're all good. They're all really nice goals. And the thing about them is Jan Oblak, one of Europe's top keepers, had no chance with any of them. Yeah, yeah. I just I want, can we talk about Tolisso for a sec? Because he seems to be a player that I don't know. Like, obviously, he's a good player. He's a top player. But do, I, no one seems to like rant and rave about him like they do other players. Do you know what? I think it's all, it's thing is down to the fact that obviously, you know, he had his ACL tear at the beginning of the 2018-19 season. It was, it was, you know, obviously that season was done for him. Um, and then last season, he was only slowly coming back and he didn't really get a lot of game time. And then Kovac got fired anyway. And then Flick just built this unreal team and there was just no getting past Thiago and Goretzka and Kimmich. And now with Thiago being, being in Liverpool or having left to Liverpool, there is a bigger gap to fill. And at the beginning, I wasn't sure if he could fill that, but he's slowly showing that, you know, he might not be the same player as Thiago, but he has the stuff to interpret the role differently in midfield and still prove to be a very viable option, um, especially with the uh, concentration of matches that every team in Europe is going to be playing this season. Exactly. I think you need him this season more than you probably would last season. Yeah. But maybe that plays into his hands anyway. He, yeah, I mean, look at Alfonso Davies last season. Oh, exactly. And Coman as well. Like He didn't miss... Gnabry or Sane. Which is also, that's a statement in and of itself. So you were moaning a couple of weeks back about the depth in that. I mean, granted, it's not going to be the same every game. Yeah. But a player that was linked with leaving in the summer was the best player on the pitch yesterday. I mean, his solo goal for the 4-0, he made it look like a training match, didn't he? They just waltzed past them like they weren't there. I don't want to keep slagging Atletico off, but I don't, there was nothing positive about that game. Suarez looked off it. Yao Felix, the more I watch him, the more I question why he was so expensive. I mean, I'd go as far as to say that Havertz, even in the short time he's been at Chelsea, has been more effective or shown his talent more than Joao Felix has at least, you know, in the short time time span. I know, you know, Joao Felix probably for Atletico has done some bits here and there, but as you said, and I'm in complete agree with, agreement with you, he definitely doesn't warrant 126 million euro price tag. And I go as far as to say as he doesn't even warrant uh, the 80 million that Havertz was bought by Chelsea for. I mean, he's still young, but I said it to you yesterday. Like, there's one thing doing it against Vitor Guimaraes yeah. in Liga Nos and not doing it in the Champions League. Exactly. I mean, this is also the same Atletico team that was knocked out of the final tournament in Portugal last, or, you know, two months ago, last season, by um, RB Leipzig. And... Given Leipzig at that point still had Timo Werner, but it wasn't just Timo Werner. It was a still a very compact Leipzig team that were just hungry to show Europe 
they could do something. And they knocked that, at, that Atletico team out when they still had Alvaro Morata. That's the thing. Like People questioned Alvaro Morata. Yeah, he was, it was a noticeable absence yesterday. And he scored for Juve. Twice. Twice. On Tuesday. But moving on from that, and you brought up Leipzig. Not talking about Leipzig, but staying in their group. Do you see where I'm going with this? Uh, I was about to say, he's he's making the very seamless transition. Manchester United 2, PSG 1. And they didn't even deserve that. And I'm going to hold my hands up here and say I was very wrong in my prediction in saying that it would be at most a draw for uh, Manchester United because they definitely played... That's probably the best performance I've seen so far from from United this season. Oh, yeah. Uh, Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, there was this one uh, meme. uh, I forget if it was on Twitter, Facebook, whatever. uh, That was... That showed, you know, uh, Solskjaer when, you know, United just have normal season. And it just shows, you know, I think like Rafa Benitez for Newcastle or something. And then... Solskjaer when his job is on the line and then just has a picture of uh, Sir Alex Ferguson walking through the guard of honor. <laughs> and I thought that was very telling and it fit it's perfectly. Not, it's not wrong though, is it? it no, was, it really isn't. The game against PSG like 18, 19 months ago that effectively got him the job anyway. Where Rashford won on the penalty in the last minute. Yeah, so the Lukaku scored twice. And then it was a last-minute VAR given penalty. Lukaku, we sure about yeah. that one? Yeah, Lukaku. This one—he was still at United when this. Jeez. Yeah, when we beat them three-one, that was his last season at United. Wow. I know. Just goes to show how long ago that feels. Like wow. Oh, I know. I, st- I just couldn't. I could go through and I could name every single one of that team and say they were amazing. But I've got three. So, Axel Tanzebe at centre-half. So which he's just come didn't back, expect. <laughs> which I didn't expect to see. No, I was expecting Harry Maguire, and then it came out the day of that he hadn't travelled. I was like, oh, Christ. So Axel <laughs> just come back from a long spell out injured. Yeah. Neymar and Mbappe in his back pocket. And that's I was not about even, to say. That's not an exaggeration. He oh, that, was, that was so good. That was that was the meme that I sent you. It was uh, it was Twanzebe has been arrested at customs for having three hundred mil in his back pocket. <laughs> Literally, it was it was just the, the pace he had up against Mbappe and that ability to get the ball from him and not bring him down illegally, which is what he tried to claim. A few times, if I remember correctly, it was at least three times. And all, all the times it was like, no, he's clearly got the ball. What are you trying? I mean, Neymar was off it all night, but Mbappe had glimpses. Alex Tellez, a left wing back. Oh. <laughs> so are you, are you saying now that at least the United board have done something right? Oh, there's something there because that man, he puts in a delicious corner. <laughs> Harry Maguire over Scott McTominay, and we probably have had a couple of those. Just from pure slab head heading ability. Literally. And I was torn between this. I didn't know whether to go with Rashford or Wambasaka. 
Oof. Because Juan Bissaka played really well. <clears throat> he stopped Neymar and Mbappe and Di Maria a few times. But I'm, the other one's Marcus Rashford. Because Martial again, wasn't racist, but... He's against done the bits for you. He's been the deciding factor, that extra punch. Well, he, was just, he was just insane all night. Like he's running. It's a couple instances where the decision-making was a bit off. He should have been selfish instead of trying to find Martial. Mm. But I can't... Solskjaer, he got the formation and the tactics down to an absolute T. The three slash five at the back, however you want to put it, with Luke Shaw at left centre half. There was an urgency to get back. There was a shape when we defended. Alex Tellers could bomb forward. And then when it was one all, but we were on top, after the Martial own goal, which you would have been proud of at the other end. I was about to say that was a if if he had just done that at the other end, I was no just one would a, have batted an eye. Just anyone else finish. Anyone else it doesn't go in. <laughs> close your eyes and flick your head one direction. Oh no. But we were on top and it was one all and he took off Alex Tellers and brought Paul Pogba on and went to a, a four at the back with a diamond four in midfield. And I was like, well, why have you done, why have you done that? But again, it worked. PSG had to throw more people forward, which left the midfield so bare. And it was Paul Pogba that got the assist for Rashford's goal. I've honestly, I've never been happier in recent seasons. <laughs> well, I guess the big question is, why is it not possible for United to produce that week in week out? Because if they, they do have. The, the quality in the, and the skill in that squad to win titles if they could put in performances like that week in, week out. Oh, that's a very bold assumption of you to think that, Lewis. But I know what you mean. And it's, it's frustrating because you think of how good they were at the back end of like post-COVID break last season. Were just unbeat, unreal. <clears throat> Apart, you know, it was that FA Cup semi-final, which I don't want to talk about. <laughs> and the Europa League semi-final but we finished third last year which no one was expecting us to do and the start to this season has just been atrocious but it's hard to argue with that <laughs> we're not the only team that struggled post uh, start a new season with no pre-season you know City lost 5-1 to Leicester Arsenal Dude, yeah. are just Arsenal <laughs> I couldn't think of a specific game. Boy, Liverpool we could be here Villa. all evening. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Liverpool got battered by Aston Villa, Chelsea. And Christ knows. Chelsea probably on. West Brom. I'd say the West Brom match where they went down three 0 before you know somehow scrapping a three three out of that. Not even the Saints one as well. Down two 0 or two 0 up. Sorry. Yeah, and, yeah. And one, you know, throwing it away. I know it's only been two games, but post-international break, there seems to have been... I don't know necessarily whether it's an urgency thing or whether it's a, you know, an energy thing. Whether it's a, okay, we need to start playing properly. Otherwise, we're all going to... You know, we're not going to win anything. The manager's going to get the sack. Or whether it's a, okay, I've had my little pre-season, you know, time to get back to my full fitness. Now let's crack on. Because we've got Chelsea yeah. on Sunday. Oh, Saturday night, sorry. And yeah. if we play like we did against PSG, we will beat Chelsea. Yeah. Anything less than that, and Chelsea will punish us. 
but that gives me a perfect segue where you just where you're just speaking of you know let's wake up and let's do it for the manager and let's figure something out because a team that did the exact opposite of that was Borussia Dortmund good because i don't think ha- i've ever seen a more desolate performance from a team that considers itself the second best or bayern hunting team number 1 in germany in the champions league there was it was a colorless performance i think that best describes it it was pretty gutless i'll say that and uh, you know what good i'm going to be vindictive good if you, if you weasel your way to Erling Haaland, Jude Bellingham, and then don't let us have Jaden Sancho, I want you to lose. Here's the thing. I'm going to be vindictive, but for a different reason. Because one problem that I've, or at least in my opinion, I think Dortmund have is their choice in head coach. Lucien Favre is not a coach that is going to win you titles. Period. It's a big shout. I know it's a big shout, but hear me out. This guy has never shown, you know, in a post-match interview, any sense of urgency. It's always a diplomatic answer. You know, uh, we didn't play so well. Um, you know, there could we could maybe improve on this or that. You know, he'd give the same answer if he lost 1-0 or if he lost 6-0. Where's, where's the sense, where's the sense of, you know, at some, you know, I'd love it when managers, you know, Jurgen Klopp's probably the best example of this. When his team doesn't play well, he says, yeah, we didn't play well at all. This was crap. This was crap. And this was crap. We have to work on this. And I'm expecting my players to show me a very different side of themselves next week or next Champions League match day, because there is, it was it was shocking to watch Dortmund play the way they did. The only ray of sunshine was Erling Haaland's goal, and that's just because he's a great finisher. But that's about it. I've got, yeah, I've got questions about his team selection as well. So why, why are you playing three at the back when you've not got the players available to do so? Because as, as good as Thomas Delaney is, he's not a centre-half. No, yeah, no. So why not, not play? Chance. Why not play a four and pack your midfield? Play four five one or something. You know, Jaden Sancho isn't what look what it looked like to be some sort of weird inverted ten. It was you know, just sort a of very... playing, sort of playing number ten with Marco Royce. And but you think where he's had his best games have been right wing. Jaden Sancho is a winger. That's why. Yeah, he's a winger. He's not. He's not. A, a, a 10 he's not an attacking midfielder it it was baffling to me as well because against Hoffenheim we saw and we discussed this last episode we saw a team that was definitely not Dortmund at its you know top draw and we pretty much speculated or decided that we were going to attribute that to you know just the international break um, you know, taking the taking the life out of his players really, and just the, his top players were dead, and they just couldn't. They just didn't have the energy to play a game. Now, in retrospect, we know that the reason he didn't play, you know, Haaland 
uh, Reus, those type of players against Hoffenheim was because you wanted to rest them for Tuesday's match against Lazio. Why then, if you rest five or six players for your starting 11 at the weekend to do well during the midweek game in Europe, how do you produce such a lackluster performance if your explicit view was, I'm going to rest my top players so they can put in a shift during, during the midweek? That is the thing that, that I'm struggling to understand. So I've got another, I've got another lineup uh, query. You're, you're a goalkeeper. Is, is he falling out with Roman Berkey? Mm. Or does he seem to prefer That's... Marwan Hitz? Marvin Hitz is a... It's... That's an interesting one because Roman Berkey was injured. So that was the main reason why Hitz has been getting a lot of playing time. Okay. Berkey, at this point, is technically fit enough to be in the squad. But usually when you're a goalkeeper and the coach can considers you to be fit enough in the squad and you were the starting keeper, you usually walk right back in. If, I mean, of course, Bard, uh, the second goalkeeper, the reserve goalkeeper puts in such a performance that the head coach thinks he's better. But in my opinion, Marvin Hitz is not better than Roman Berkey. And I really couldn't tell you why Roman Berkey is still starting. Why, why I Hitz mean, still is, isn't. Yeah, why he isn't starting. Sorry. I, it's just, sorry, I just, I've just got the teams up here. I just noticed that it was Hitz in goal because he scored no goal, didn't he? But talking Lazio. really. Yeah, it's been given as a hit so goal. It wasn't really. It was, a, it was an unlucky deflection. Like, I, he, he was really unlucky to, you know, for it to deflect off of him. And, you know, I, for them to give it a known goal, that's really just, you know, bureaucratic FIFA stuff for you. If you're going to interpret the rule book to a T, I guess. Well, talking Lazio goals, it was last season's European Golden Boot winner and ex-Dortmund striker, uh, Ciro Immobile, got a goal and an assist. And the goal after six minutes as well, that does That's hurt. A great goal as well. Uh, it's just... I think I think Lazio they've struggled at the beginning of the season too. They're, you know they're 14th or 15th in the table if I'm if I remember correctly. Um, and they re- I thought that you know Dortmund they'd gotten over that slump where they you know lost against Augsburg uh, in the second or third match day of the Bundesliga. You know I thought that might they've now gotten over that. They got that out of their system and um, their starting lineup looked good enough. Um, at least, you know, the names, obviously some with Sancho playing not his usual position. But, you know, if you just looked at the team sheet and you saw which names were being featured in the starting lineup, you were like, okay, Reus, Hummels, Haaland, Sancho, Bellingham, they're putting out their top guns. And for Lazio to walk all over them, I don't know if it's just a testament to whether Lazio has gotten, you know, themselves back on track or if it's just down to the fact that Dortmund were that bad but you know they made it look very easy for Lazio to just get the goals and walk through there I don't know I it's difficult and I don't know why I don't know why it didn't work out for Immobile at at Dortmund because it seemed to go a similar way to Paco Alcacer as well did well at the beginning, signed on a permanent, and then sort sort of just 
tapered off. Yeah, because I, I, Alcacer was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And, and now he's playing for Villarreal and sort of in that weird limbo. <laughs> and the moment he's got a completely opposite direction. He's gone to Lazio and just found another level to his game. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, it's just on a, a kind of Dortmundy topic. Do you want to know who uh, he got his... He got a goal for PSV Eindhoven this evening. Oh, I know. It's, it's your boy. Mario uh, Götze scores his second goal for, in his second start for Eindhoven. So. We'll ignore the fact they lost, but that's made me really happy. It has, because I think that, you know, with all the stuff he's gone through in the last, you know, two years... You know, losing out on his starting spot um, at Dortmund, not you know having the um, the what was it, the muscle deficiency uh, disease or so- something along those lines. But you know, very very rare disease um, that affects his muscles. You know, as a professional athlete, that's usually career ending. Kind of important muscles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's a little, you know, after all the crap he's had to endure. For him to now slowly get back into the swing of things, it makes me happy for him. I, I really like him. It's impossible to not like that, that man. I mean, as a German, if you don't like that man, there's something wrong with you. Uh, yes, I know. He we did spent, give we us spent a time cut. in that museum. We watched that goal over and over. I've seen the boot. <laughs> Jesus. Um, actually- I yeah. can't say anything because if England ever won the World Cup, there'd be like an entire museum dedicated to just that. To just the World Cup, not even to, you know, the history of English football, but no, just to. <laughs> it would just be, oh, look, this is the boot that Harry Kane wore. Like, oh. It would just <laughs> center. Like, the, like the, uh, the dinosaur in the Natural History Museum, the first thing you see when you walk through the door. Oh, yeah, definitely. But um, do you want to? Oh, it's almost a kind of vindictive again for you. It's almost kind of revenge. <laughs> do you want to talk Real Madrid, Lewis? Oh, let's let let's do move on from one team where you're just scratching your head and wondering what has happened to a once or to one to the once more most feared club in Europe. Real Madrid managed to go down 3-0 to a Dunex team who, and I believe you pointed this out to me, Billy. Had like 10 players missing with COVID and injuries. Exactly. See? And Real Madrid didn't field, you know, a team that, you know, Real Madrid Castilla, their reserve squad, could field. No, no. The only major thing missing from that team was Sergio Ramos. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know where to start. It was just <laughs> a shambles. Maybe, like, Jesus, they were 3-0 down at halftime to Shak. I, I, I don't want to like knock it, but to Shak Dar Donetsk. Like, They're not a good team. Just, just say, for, say it for what it is. Just say what it is. It's, but they're not a Champions League top tier Champions League team oh hell no (laughs) my god Real Madrid didn't look like one either they looked like they belonged to the Europa League with that first half performance not gonna lie well playing Ferland Mendy 
at right back when he's not a right back. <laughs> that. You know, that's the only criticism, maybe, in team selection. I mean, Luka Jovic, we know he can bang goals in. He did it for Frankfurt. Hasn't Asensio. done it so much for yeah. Real Madrid. Well, it's another one in my long list of players <laughs> that shouldn't move to yeah. Real or Barca. But Rodrigo, how much did he cost? Quite a um, I want to say it was it was something around Rodrigo. Wasn't it something around the fifty mil mark? I think it was more than that. It was like seventy oh, million gee. or something like that. Because everyone Christ. was trying to sign the new Neymar, which is why they signed Rodrigo and Vinicius Junior. Vinicius Junior has come on. You know, he's done his bit. Also, just a side note, he became the fastest substitute to score a goal. So oh, he scored his first it, touch, wasn't it? 15 seconds after coming onto the pitch, he scored. And that's the fastest goal by a substitute in the Champions League since uh, data has been collected um, in 2006. I mean, I don't think that makes any bit of difference to Zinedine Zidane. Oh, hell no. It was still, at the end of the day, it still goes down as a loss. I think the best thing, the thing that made my day about that, uh, about that match was the fact that Real Madrid actually did pull back the equalizer in the 90th plus three, only in the 90th plus four, to have it disallowed by VAR. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? I mean, what? The uh, limbs. If you shouldn't been be three nil down to Donetsk anyway. Oh, no, no. But, but then you do pull yourself up. <laughs> that's unreal. You can just how crestfallen must you be? It is, I mean, at the end of the day, they deserve that. Oh, Everyone was also you know, Yeah, exactly. Everyone was everyone was like, oh Real Madrid, they were missing Sergio Ramos. No, no, they were missing a referee they that they had in their pocket. That's what the hell they were missing. Ooh. Still salty about that. Still oh, salty. Three still years on, I you, don't even care. I've still got the video. <laughs> head in your hands. We don't talk about that. And, and there it will stay. Exactly. Maybe, maybe at some point when we do move to YouTube, we'll, uh, we'll get that video out. But um, for now, that is staying in the depths of my phone. Uh, sorry, I've got another team lineup. So I just keep finding the team lineups late and I'm just having a look and it's not a cre- it's not a ridiculously creative midfield that you'd associate with Real Madrid. Casemiro, yeah, Federico Valverde and Luka Modric. None of which are a natural 10. I mean, Tony Kroos missing from that midfield, he was brought on as a substitute. I think that is a little bit um, that was kind of the crux of the issue because Even if Isco. anyone who's yeah true Isco Isco as well I mean if I would have thought if you're Zinedine Zidane you'd be playing Isco Modric and Kors all in the uh, in the midfield three just my personal opinion yeah but I'll, I'll, I'll sacrifice one of them to play Casemiro yeah, if you do really want that much of a holding, you know, or you need that much of a holding presence. But I think one of the main thing is, main things was uh, Tony Kors missing from that starting lineup because if anyone who's watched the Kors documentary on Amazon Prime, they 
or a lot of people in that documentary have said, you know, he is the uh, metronome in the Real Madrid midfield. You know, if if Real Madrid's play needs to slow down, it's down to course. He slows the play down. He speeds the play up. He slows the play down, depending on what the match needs. And I think that was something that was missing or that was a vital uh, element missing from Real Madrid's team in the sense that, you know, Tony Kors dictating the play. And then, as you just said, a midfield three where none of them were really playing in their preferred position. Definitely. And you, you look at that four, five minute period between the first and the second goal. Yeah. Someone like a Tony Kroos to just slow it down. You've just conceded, ease it up. Yeah, calm down. Everyone just calm down. Then you don't give away the ball straight away and Rafael Varane probably doesn't score an own goal. (laughs) I mean... Which again was a bit of a, you know... Varane just kept picked up where he left off. That's Rafael Varane. He's meant to be good. He used to be one of the he used to be one of the world's best center backs. You know, everyone said he deserved a spot in the UEFA or FIFA team of the season every year. During which uh, you know Real Madrid obviously won their uh, three Champions Leagues in a row. But then you know you look at the way Real Madrid went down against Manchester City in the final tournament um, in the previous season. Rafael Varane was re- responsible for two of the goals Real Madrid conceded. I had a shocker, nightmare. I mean, we went through this, I think, in episode 15 of season one of, the, um, of this podcast. But, you know, he, as I said, he, he picked up right where he left off. Just I say, we, we were saying they're mistakes you don't associate with Rafael Varane. And now it's... Do we associate them with Rafael Varane? That is the question. I mean, it, it, as sad as we, as sad as it is, as it sounds, we sort of have to ask ourselves this question: you know, how much of a liability is Rafael Varane becoming? Would you like a funny story about Rafael Varane before we move? Oh on? yes. So picture the scene. It's two thousand and eleven. Mm-hmm. Manchester United have a choice of two centre-halves to sign that summer. And I, I'm, I can't question Sir Alex, but I'm going to. <laughs> the, the, the boss, the gaffer, opted for Phil Jones <laughs> over Raphael Varane. <laughs> <laughs> Raphael Varane wasn't like Raphael Varane the god at centre half. He was the up and comer at Lyon. I think so. It was somewhere in Lyon, a French team. And Phil Jones was this, my God, look at him. He plays for Blackburn. And we all know which way careers diverged. Rafael Varane's won what? Four Champions Leagues now? Yep. <laughs> Phil Jones isn't in our Premier League squad. So. Um, don't forget the world cup that varan also won uh yeah sorry sorry we'll uh we'll just brush that one aside for a minute (laughs) (laughs) oh no hey you know 
20 million for Phil Jones. If anyone out there is looking for a centre-half that's won the Premier League, <laughs> I'll drive Have him myself. I think one last match before we wrap this episode up. And we'll talk about it just because it was also a surprise in the sense of the way both teams presented themselves. Mönchengladbach versus Inter, not really, or I, I don't think anyone expected Gladbach to really pull something out of the bag, let alone for a good amount of time lead that game. But I think they've definitely shown that they are genuine, you know, contenders to make it out of the group, even though they have a harder group than most. Oh, definitely. And uh, one thing that I did notice about that game is our prediction about the Gladbach penalty taker. Spot on. Told you. <laughs> Hoffman didn't take the penalty. I'm not even going to try and pronounce that name because I'm going to butcher it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Rami Benzabaini. It's Benzabaini. It's not that hard to. Uh, it's not that hard to do. Yeah, I, know. I could just imagine it going wrong though. Right, Lukaku again. Yeah, but Inter's lifeline. No other way to put it. I just struck gold with that with form for Inter. Yeah, I don't know whether it's because he feels wanted. So I know a lot of fans and pundits in in England. He was like a. It was our, oh, well, United lost us because they've got that donkey up front. You know, oh, oh he's, he's cra- his touch is terrible. It's like, well, his touch might be bad, but <laughs> Christ, he scores I just goals. Remember, I just remember the, the, the joke that was cracked most was Romelu Lukaku has a touch that, could, that takes him down the M25. <laughs> yeah. But I think it's because Inter play to his strengths. Similar to the way that West Brom and yeah, they... early Everton did. Yeah. He just knock it, knock it long and he'll run onto it. Belgium did it against England. He won the penalty because Carrasco or someone or Witzel knocked it in behind Eric Dyer. And the, he's, he's got pace. It's just his touch. If you play it into him expecting him to touch it and then go... You're not going to have fun. Yeah. You're going to have a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. But Yeah, I mean, Inter, though, is not what we're used to seeing from Inter at the, in their, defensive, their own defensive third. Especially not under Antonio Conte. Like yeah, it's just, yeah. It's just becoming a Premier League old man's club. Alexander Kolarov, Matteo Darmian, Christian Eriksen and Alexis Sanchez. Don't forget also the La Liga old boy, Arturo Vidal. He's, I, I don't want to like criticize the way that they're, they're getting players in, but surely the emphasis is on young players. Not Alexander Kolarov and Arturo Vidal. To be fair to them, they did manage to keep Lautaro Marti- uh, Martinez, even though he was very, very hotly handled um, to become 
you know, Barca's next star signing. Uh, I think that was more down to the fact Barca just didn't have the money to spend. Yeah, true. And Inter wanted a 90 million price tag. Christ. But I think we also have to talk about Gladbach putting in the shift they did because they didn't let themselves get bogged down with the with conceding the one nil. They pulled themselves right back out of it and they managed to and I know we slagged them off for his penalty uh at the weekend, but Jonas Hofmann finishing one on one with the goalkeeper through his legs. Not bad. Not bad. I like Handanovic as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was good, and they played really well. It was really unfortunate to concede that. 90th plus two, I think it was. Yeah, but you don't mark Lukaku from a corner, then... You're asking for it. Yeah. Similar to how they didn't... How they struggled to deal with Verkost. Yeah, yeah. A big physical centre-forward. Yeah, I mean, I think at the end of the day, you can definitely class that as Inter won the won a two-two uh, match, and um, Gladbach lost two-two. Because yeah, at I the think, end of the day, the three points were there. Yeah, I think, and while Inter will think themselves lucky, I think they'll also be really disappointed that they didn't. Because if if you were to say beforehand, who's winning that? You'd say Inter. Definitely. Definitely favourites. But Gladbach keep performing. I was about to say, you know, I think Inter also, um, with just the run of form they have and also the players that they've got in, as much as it is, you know, like a Premier League old man's club, they still have talented players that are getting into that side. And at the end of the day, um, you have you just have to have respect for the fact that, or respect for what they've done with the limited amount of players that they have, and you also have to say Gladbach for the fact that they are in a group with Inter and Real Madrid as well. They've definitely got scored a big point uh, when it comes to getting out of the group. Definitely, and you know. You don't know how Real Madrid are going to respond, whether they will or not. So Real Madrid could be there for the taking in that group. Sounds really weird to say it. But why not? It's, um, or given given their form against Donetsk and also the fact that they lost 1-0 at the weekend in uh, La Liga as well. I think you can't discount or uh, you can't count on Real Madrid to automatically make it through the group stages. The thing is, though, historically speaking, they always have. They did man- manage it last year, even though everyone said last year, you know, without Real- Ronaldo and, you know, they haven't been able to compensate him. And I think the fires just burnt out with most of the team after winning three Champions League titles in a row. I don't think that team's up to it. They still managed to get out of the group. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Well, the games come thick and fast because there's three consecutive match weeks in the Champions League. 
which means three consecutive European editions of the 50 plus one football podcast. You lucky, lucky people. I think on that note, we can end this episode, our first European, uh, our first European edition. I enjoyed that. A nice little midweek. Definitely, definitely. We will be hopefully getting these out on Friday of every week. So after, you know, the uh, Tuesday, Wednesday Champions League matches have all been through. Um, don't forget, obviously, to follow, subscribe, like, do whatever on all our socials. Those are Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and our RSS feed, all of which are in the link tree in our Instagram bio. But that is all from us. I always want to say that's all for this week, guys, but it isn't. (laughs) But we will be back after this weekend with the latest from the Bundesliga and the Premier League. Thanks for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.